You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, hey, good morning again. And um, you came in and you got notes, and uh, I saw the notes printed out. I don't know who printed them out, but they... There's the wrong elves. I don't know. They, they're completely opposite of what we normally do. Sorry about that. Um, but write down everything you can and we'll, um, send in three easy payments of 1995 this week and we'll get you the further addition. Okay. The correct one. But hey, we're, we're finishing up this series, Firm Foundation. And as you know, over the last, uh, 25 weeks for some of you, it's been, uh, I don't know, eight to 10 weeks, whatever it is of um, doctrines. And so it's been big topics. So we've been talking about God. We've been talking about salvation and man and all those things. And those are, are really big topics to talk about. So we've been flying at 30,000 feet and every once in a while we'll kind of nosedive for a second and then come back up. And because uh, our goal is for you to to hunger and thirst after after this type of knowledge and for you to not be satisfied with just coasting, but for you to have a, a deeper understanding of your faith. And that's why the firm foundation is the one. The foundation is Jesus. And that that's pretty simple, that that's our foundation. That's what we build our faith life off of. Our entire life is built upon the person of Jesus. And that's our even our mission and vision here is we're just pointing people to Jesus. Um, when we have questions and doubts in our own lives, which we do, we just like, Hey, what, what did Jesus say? What did he do? What did he think about this topic? And so that's what we've been doing over the last few weeks is pointing people to Jesus, building a firm foundation, um, because life is going to happen. Life storms will come. And so the house that you've built upon your faith upon Jesus matters as well. And, um, so even one of the things I was thinking about this idea of the house part. And so some of you have these newfangled things on your front doors, these little camera stuff, like you push it. And even before, like you get up to a certain distance and it shows a, a person, you know what I'm talking about? Like looking at some of you, you're looking at me like it hasn't got to LaGrange yet. I don't know. Um, I know it has cause some of you've turned off the lights when you've seen me walk up to your house. Well, I'm just kidding. Um, I still come in anyway, but, um, I want you to get that image of, listen, we're building a firm foundation. We're building a house solidly built. But one of the things that's important is for us to have a clear view of the packages that we're accepting into our house. And that there are times that, that we buy into what the culture tells us is okay. And so we receive a package and then we open that package in our home and then it's in our home and we got a mess. And it's harder to to get that stuff out of your home, out of your the inner parts of your house once it's in. And so that maybe for us as followers of Jesus, maybe is that we have a little bit more discernment of things that are on the front porch that we're like, hey, listen, UPS man, whoever you are, man, um, that's not coming in here. And we're not going to receive that package. We're not going to receive that. We're going to send it away and not... Um, if you have any doubts, send it away instead of receiving it into the house. And so I'm hoping that that's part of the image that you get um, as we've been having these studies over the last few weeks. And Because throughout history, this is the question that all of mankind has dealt with is what happens to us after life? When we breathe that final breath, what is next? And so this morning we're going to dig into that a little bit. And, and really the question is... Are, are we immortal? Can we be immortal? And what does immortal look like to live 
forever. And so um, I think what you'll see this morning is there's two options. I think the first option is, yes, you can be immortal, but we're immortal in Christ. If you've said yes to Jesus in Christ, you find immortality, not through our works or anything we've done, but totally and solely upon the righteousness of Christ. We have an immortal soul because of him. And then those that say no to Jesus, that say, hey, listen, I I don't want anything to do with Jesus, then immortality, there's a moment where life, our soul, is destroyed and gone for all eternity. And so we'll talk about that um, in depth. But even the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it tells us that God has planted eternity in the human heart. In other words, that we long for and we have this question of what is eternity. We want to live forever. And what, it, what is that? And I think it starts in Genesis, whenever God created the cosmos. And he was creating all those different things. And then there came a point where he said, hey, I'm going to create Adam from the ground. I'm going to create man. And he created man. And then what did he do? He breathed his breath, his ruach. His breath, the breath of God, the spirit of God into man, into Adam, and that gave them the soul, the nefesh that we have, this longing for that makes us different from all other parts of creation. That we have a soul which is the ability to have a relationship with God the Father, the ability to have a relationship with the creator of the universe because God has breathed his ruach into us and therefore we have a soul that can communicate with him. Now, there is a distinguishing part of, yes he, yes, he gave us life so that we have that. We have a physical body, but also there's this soul that is our that comes from us that allows us to communicate and have a relationship with God. And so the first question I want us to ask is then what does it mean to be immortal? Well, as I talked about in Genesis 2, 5, 7, God breathed his breath into us, giving us a soul. But then look at Matthew 10, 28. And Jesus is sending out his disciples to do ministry, and he tells them, Hey, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body, because they can't touch your soul. In other words, Jesus is giving us a distinguished part of, Hey, listen, you have your physical body, but then you also have your spiritual, your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both your soul, your spirit, and your body in hell. And that word hell is a word, Gehenna, G-E-H-E-N-N-A. And we'll talk more about what that word means in a little bit. But you can be, you can be destroyed there in Gehenna. And then in John chapter 3, verse 16, you see a verse that maybe you've seen it at football games. And you're like, what is that thing? It says this, for this is how God loved the world, the cosmos, all of the stuff that he created. He loved it. So because of his love, what did he do? He gave his one and only son. He gave himself so that everyone who believes in him, who confesses him, will not perish. Underline perish. That, that matters. All right. That means your soul will continue on, but have eternal life. So a soul that has immortality is one that has confessed Jesus. And in that confession of Jesus, you receive salvation and eternal life. Your soul will live forever because you're accepting the righteousness and works of Christ in that moment. But there is those, there are those who do not accept Jesus and therefore their soul perishes. So immortality then is a gift that God gives to believers in Christ through grace. That's what immortality is. Well, then I put this in here for the little kids. The kids read it. What in the H-E double hockey sticks is going on? Okay. That's kind of funny stuff, right? Yeah. 
Radar said that on MASH, so that's why I put it in there. What in the H-E double hockey sticks is going on? Well, Jesus used two words for that, H-E double hockey sticks, Hades and Gehenna. Hades is a place of suffering. You see in Luke chapter 17 that it's a place where whenever you don't say yes to Jesus, you go to this place of suffering and your soul is conscious of the fact that you are not with God the Father, that you are not in heaven. Um, so Hades is a place of suffering. And then Gehenna, all right, is another level, all right? And so at Gehenna is a place of absolute destruction. Some of you have maybe even heard the old term of like, hey, you're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. That's Gehenna. So there's a difference between Hades and Gehenna. So Hades is whenever someone dies and they haven't confessed Jesus, you go to Hades, it's a place of suffering. And you're conscious of the fact that you're not with God the Father. And then later on, Gehenna happens. There's a resurrection of all of the dead. And at the resurrection of all the dead, based upon your decision of yes, Jesus or no, Jesus, if you're in Hades, and you have not confessed Jesus for all eternity, you're going to be thrown in Gehenna, the lake of the fire, and your soul will be destroyed. No eternal life. So there's the difference. Hades is this um, an Old Testament word, Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, or a grave or a pit. And then afterwards they're sent to Hena. Matthew 10:28 again. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Because they can't touch your soul, your nefesh. Fear only God who can destroy, wipe out, right? Both soul and body, where? In hell and Gehenna. To destroy is to completely wipe it out so it no longer exists. Now this idea of Gehenna, Jesus had a ready-made illustration of Gehenna in his day. So let's say that you're um, joined with me in like, you know, those little... Things where you look in a viewfinders, you're with me, okay? So you're in a viewfinder with me, and we're standing in the Garden of Gethsemane. So imagine what a garden looks like. You've been to a garden, like a park garden and stuff. It's really beautiful. And you're at a certain spot, and you can look across about, let's say, a mile, all right? And you can see really good. And across where you can see a mile, you can see the temple in Jerusalem. So you can see downtown Jerusalem from the garden, all right, so you've got that view. And as, but before you get to the temple over there, you've got to go down this valley, which is the Valley of Kidron. And then to the left, there's another valley, and that valley is the Valley of Hinnom, H-I-N-N-O-M. And in that valley, there used to be worship. And a part of that worship of the God of Molech, they would offer human sacrifices. And so it was a place of burning. It was a place of whatever. And it was, so it was a place of stench. And so over time, even the Israelites, they participated in this kind of worship in the Valley of Hinnom. And it so became known as the Lake of Fire because you would go down into it. And then also over time, they began to throw their debris, their trash, their stuff there. And so during Jesus's day, the stench, if the wind was blowing the right way, the stench of the Lake of Fire of Gehenna would fill their nostrils. And so the stench of sin, the stench of nastiness is there. And it was constantly burning because they're constantly throwing stuff refuse on it. And so Jesus refers to this. He says, listen, this is a perfect illustration. You will spend eternity. If you choose to not confess me, you will spend eternity in hell in the lake of fire. And you will be conscious 
of the smell of that place. You will be conscious of the suffering in that place. You'll be conscious of the fact that you are separated from me and you are there. You've made that decision to be in that place. So that's the image that Jesus has. And if you look over in Luke chapter 16, Jesus gives a great picture of what it would look like in Gehenna or in the lake of fire. Luke 16, verse 19 and following. Jesus says, he's telling a parable, right, a story. He says, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen. So he's a prince, he's a king, he's someone who has authority if he's wearing purple, has lots of money. All right, so he's clothed in purple and fine linen, and he lived each day in luxury. In other words, he got to do what he wanted to do. When he got up, he didn't work. He told others to do the work for him. Verse 20, at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. Now, we don't know if this is the same Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Doesn't really matter. All right, there's probably more than one guy named Lazarus. All right, but Lazarus was covered with sores. So he's laying at the rich man's gate and he's covered with sores. And his situation is such, all right, that it tells us in verse 21, as he's laying there and longing for, for scraps from the rich man's table, he can't even get up and the dogs would come and lick his open sores. So you can imagine the desperation of this man named Lazarus. Well, finally, verse 22, finally the poor man died. It was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham. At the heavenly banquet. So here we get, Jesus begins to get, he transports us out of the physical realm now into the spiritual realm. And he says, listen, there's Father Abraham whose faith was credited to him as righteousness. We're, we're in the Abraham's bosom. So Lazarus, who's died, had faith that was credited to him as righteousness as well. And so he's in a place not Hades, not the lake of fire. He's over here with Abraham and they're assessing the situation. All right. So the poor man is over here. He's having dinner with Abraham and the others that have had faith that credited righteousness. The rich man also died and was buried. Here's a cool truth you need to know. It don't matter what your ATM says. When you die, you die. Okay? You can't take it with you. As one of a friend of mine says, it's only money. Okay? If you got it, use it for his glory. So the rich man also died and was buried. And he went to the place of the dead. Hell. Hades. They're in torment. Now, see, the opposite, they're, they're having a heavenly banquet over here. And over here, there's torment. And he saw, the rich man saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. So he recognized Lazarus. He knew he, who he was. And so the rich man's over here in torment. He sees over there and he's like, hey, that's Abraham and that's that Lazarus guy. In his torment. So he's conscious of where he's at and where he is not. Verse 24, the rich man then shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Now, did he offer pity? No. But all of a sudden, he's conscious of where he's not. And he's like, hey, have pity. Have pity on me. Again, wealth does not dictate your eternal destination. The rich man shouted, Abraham, have some pity. And Lazarus, send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. If you've ever been thirsty, you can imagine. Like, just give me something. But Abraham said to him, son, not a turn of endearment in this moment. Remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted. And Lazarus had nothing. And so now he is here being comforted. 
and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us, and no one can cross over to you from here. No one can cross over to us from there. So here and there. And there's a chasm so wide, you can't, there's nothing you can do, rich man, to get over here. Your deeds will not get you over here. And the rich man said, but Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. In other words, the truth is there. If they want to find it, the truth is there. Do they really want it? Are they seeking it? The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. Abraham said, no, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't even be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. They could send a dead man back to life and they'd be like, "Mm mm-mm. And we saw it, right? And Jesus, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And people were like, mm, that was a trick. Come up with reasons to rationalize not having faith. A couple of things to think about. One is wealth doesn't equal eternal life. I mean, your, your decisions on whether Jesus is who he says he is or not determines your eternal life. So you're either here or you're here. And your faith is credited to you as righteousness. And in your faith that's credited to you righteousness, you get to be with Abraham, you get to be at the heavenly banquet, and you are conscious of the fact of where you're at and where you're not on either side of the chasm. In Revelation 1, 18, Jesus tells us Jesus holds the keys to death and Hades. In Acts 24, 15, the resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked will happen. Those that are in hell over here and those that are in place of waiting here whenever the resurrection happens of everyone will all stand before the great white throne and there will be a righteous judgment placed upon us those that are in abraham's bosom will have a little asterisk by their name and it will say hey the works of christ are credited to them as righteousness they get to enter into heaven for all eternity those that are over here don't have an asterisk by their name so therefore they are thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity See it in Revelation 20, verse 12 and 15. Here John is looking up. He's having a vision of heaven. He said, I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. And the earth and the sky fled from his presence. But they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the book was open, including the book of life. All the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and the death and the grave and gave up their dead and all their judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire and the lake of fire is the second death. And anyone's name who's not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's heavy. Happy Thanksgiving. But it's true. It's true. I know it's not cool culture, but it's God's word. And if Jesus said it and believed it, listen, he's smarter than me. I'm going to take it. Oh, that I know that I know that I don't want to spend eternity conscious 
of the fact that I can never be in the presence of my father. So what in the H-E double hockey sticks? It should actually, for us as believers, when we understand that this is real, it should motivate us to be like, listen, the people that I love, this is not what I want. I want to sit down at the banquet. The people that I care about, the people that I do life with, I don't want them to experience this. I want them to know this. So what is heaven? Well, cultures all throughout have had ideas of spiritual. The Babylonians and others believed in an afterlife called the great below, okay? And so where their souls were dead, lived in a shadow world because they believed that their gods were the only ones that could be in heaven. So if you were human, you would never ascend to heaven. You were going to go to a shadow place and your soul would just hang out in the depths of, of shadows and darkness. The Greeks and the Romans, some of you have been to school and you remember the Greeks and the Romans mythology. And so those gods were associated with heaven and hell. And the God of Hades was the king of the the underworld. And at death, gold was placed under the tongue of Greeks and Romans, placed under the tongue. So that would pay the ferry to get across the river so you can get to sticks and you could be judged by the three judges. Y'all remember that? You're like, oh, yeah, that was stuff. Yeah, I remember that now. And, um, and then in Eastern religions like Hinduism and Buddhism, there's this process called reincarnation. And y'all have heard this. Y'all even know this is extremely popular today. There's a movement for the last 20 years called New Age Spirituality, spirituality and it is based upon Hinduism and, and Buddhism and this idea that over time you can purify yourself and you can reach nirvana. But the, the kicker is, is that at some point in your reincarnations, you have to have one life that is perfect. Good luck. Maybe that's why you can become a cow. I don't know if that's a perfect life, but, um, but when you have a perfect life, listen, that's a lot of works. There's fear and work based on that. In Islam, life is a test from Allah to determine a place person's place in afterlife. And let me, this is a whole nother sermon, but just catch me here real quick. Allah and Yahweh are not the same. Okay, Allah and Yahweh are not the same. Some people will say, hey, their names are different. That's important. Yahweh's name matters because it's his character and who he is. Allah's name is associated with him, and you can see his character, and it's not Yahweh's. So Allah tests his people. The, the Islam teaches this. And so that if you reach the place that you need to reach to get there, you've, the scales have balanced out, as they would say. Um, then each man, women, I'm sorry, you're not included in this. Each man will receive between two and 72 wives. I can't barely handle one. Like, can you imagine being trained by 72? Like, I want you to do the toilet this way. Will you leave your socks this way? Do you roll them up? Do you fold them? You know, hey, listen, you know, I mean, can you imagine that for all eternity? That is, that does not sound like heaven, Josh. Listen, if that's heaven, I'm out. In Christianity, heaven is simply where God resides. Matthew 25, 46, and they will go into eternal punishment or the righteous will enter into eternal life. So biblically, heaven is a location and a condition that that moment when you say yes to Jesus conditionally you enter into the kingdom of heaven it's an arrived but not yet 
I have been justified and I'm in the process of being sanctified and there'll be a day where I am glorified. At the moment of death, I will be glorified, not in my own works, but in his. But while I'm here, I'm living out what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And that every day I'm raising the flag of allegiance, not to myself, but to my king of kings and lord of lords. And so I submit to him. I'm a slave to him because he's the king. And he has authority. I'm giving him authority. He has it, but I'm, I'm giving it to him. It's a condition. And also it's a physical location. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus even prays, Our Father who is in heaven, John six forty one. Jesus came down from heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 2, Jesus physically ascended to heaven. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, Jesus had gone into heaven and he's at the right hand of the Father, the place of authority and strength. It's also a location called paradise. If you remember Jesus on the cross, he said to the thief that had confessed him, he said, today you will be with me where? Paradise. That's a beautiful word. It's a Persian word, which means that you get to walk with the king in his personal garden and have his ear. So Jesus was saying to the man on the cross, today you will be in paradise. Today you will walk with me in the garden of heaven. And as the king of kings, you and I have an audience and I am exclusively your audience today. It's a beautiful image for us to know that, that we get to walk. It's an image drawn back to even the garden of Eden where Adam and Eve got to walk in the garden and they had God the father's ear. And now in Christ, we have God the Father's ear and we're walking in his garden again. Heaven is a place of rest in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9. We get to be in the presence of God's fullness of his glory, his Shekinah glory. It's a place of purity in Revelation 21:17. It's a place of worship, not just singing, but a place of worship that we give God his worth and value. In heaven. It's a place of fellowship where we're living life without wax there, that we're taken back to the garden and where once we were separated from God and we were naked and ashamed and covered up. Now in heaven, we're naked and unashamed. And in our fellowship with him, that we're with him, but also with each, with each other. That you're walking around naked and unashamed before each other. That's, that's a pretty powerful image. That God's righteousness has so covered your unrighteousness that you can walk around others and not be ashamed because you have nothing to hide. I know we think physical, but it's all of our works and deeds are gone in him. And then also maybe, if not most importantly, we're in the presence of the Father and walking. We also get heavenly rewards in James 1.12. There's a crown of life. First Peter 5.4, there's a crown of glory. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, there's a crown of righteousness. There's even a crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. That every time that you share your story with someone and someone comes to and move toward Christ because of your story, you receive a crown of rejoicing because all of heaven rejoice over a life change. You also, all of those crowns mean nothing when you're in the presence of the Father. And so it even tells us in Revelation chapter 4 that God gives you all of these crowns. And then you get into the presence of the Father and you cast your crowns before him. And you say, these crowns mean nothing because I'm in the presence of God the Father. That is the greatest crown. That is the greatest gift that we can receive. 
Listen, every other religion teaches that heaven is a reward for your earthly efforts, that you're trying to balance out the scale, that a person can earn salvation by doing specific things or not doing specific things. And even sometimes in Christianity, you hear that, listen, grace by faith is the only way to cast your crowns in eternity before him and to have a relationship and to be in the presence of God the Father for all eternity. It is not our works. None of our works will get us. None of our not doing something will get us into the presence of God the Father. Eternal life without God for all time is hell. Destruction. Eternal life with God an authentic community for all time is heaven. To be known, think about this, to be known and loved for all eternity. To be fully known, to be naked and unashamed for all eternity, that is heaven. And to say all these things are his. So to say yes to Jesus is to step into the kingdom today and the process of living it out. So when we get there, we're like, yes, this is everything I've imagined, even more than I could have imagined of what it could be to be naked and unashamed and that the works that are credited to me are righteousness. They're not mine, but they're his. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for heaven. Thank you that as a loving father that you give us an opportunity to be with you for all eternity in paradise, to be naked and unashamed. And father, to know that we don't have to work. There's not a treadmill where we have to run so many miles and do certain things or not do certain things. And that father, that it is totally dependent upon your work on the cross. And the sacrifice of your life for us. For as your scripture tells us in John chapter 3, 16, For you so loved the entire cosmos, all of your creation, that you gave the most valuable gift you could ever possibly give, which is yourself and your son, Jesus Christ. And that through confession and saying yes to Jesus, that for all eternity we can have life and life to the full and life without shame in your presence. Father, I pray this morning that everyone that leaves this place and that hears my voice, that they would know, that they would know, that they would know that their name is written in the book of life and that when they stand before the great white throne and the book of life is opened up, it has their name with the asterisk next to it and say it's not in their works, but it's in Christ. My child can enter. Father, this morning, may that be true. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.